week I didn't get to speak and you got to hear Sean, but the thing I realized is you all don't get to see the kids the way I do up here at the front. It is incredible watching them put their money in. Maybe we need to do it halfway back so some of you can see it, but it is incredible and wonderful to see their hearts and today is Mother's Day and so obviously we celebrate mothers around the world today and, and this is a wonderful day for so many of us, but I also know and want to recognize that it is also a difficult day for a lot of folks. There are folks that some of you have, have lost your mothers in the last year, even lost a child in the last year or two or whatever it may be, and I know this is difficult. I know for some that, that you want to be a mother and you, you can't be a mother or haven't become a mother yet, that that's difficult or maybe, maybe you just didn't have the kind of mother that God wanted you to have. And that's also difficult. And, but today, for so many, we are so thankful for mothers and what they have meant and for what they do and what good mothers do. And today, we remember one of the greatest examples of a mother I think you can think of, and that's Mary that we're talking about today in her sermon, A Mother to Learn From. And this actually, some of you are watching the series called The Chosen that's on YouTube and other venues, and this is Vanessa Benavente that plays Mary in that, in that series that some of you are watching. And truly, Mary was incredible. I don't believe we ought to worship Mary or venerate Mary, but if you want to look at a great example of what a mother was, it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, often, obviously, at Christmas time in December, people talk a lot about Mary, and we get all the way through the birth of Jesus, and then it's kind of like we leave Mary there and don't realize there are all kinds of things, little snippets that are said about Mary throughout the Bible, and today I want to pull out some of those and just to see the kind of heart she had, and whether you, be a, whether you are a mother or not a mother, or even if you are a man, to look at the things in Mary that obviously we could all emulate and be more like. Now you know that Mary's motherhood started out with great anticipation. You remember that the angel comes to Mary and how incredible that that must have been and he says to this young woman teenager, he says to her, you're going to have a baby and your baby is going to bless the world and basically saying your baby is the Messiah, what all of Israel has been waiting for. And you remember how exciting that that must have been as you've read those scriptures in Luke before, how exciting it must have been to her and you remember she sings a song afterwards that she's so overwhelmed. And you also remember that this was really out of line with society and out of line with what she would have ever believed that God would have wanted or expected because she obviously didn't understand the scripture. I mean, this would be a tough one to understand to the point that an a the angel also goes to Joseph and says, hey, when Mary tells you this story, believe it because it's real. That it is going to be, this is through the Holy Spirit, this is real, it's legitimate, it is exactly what God wants, it's okay. There's lots of scholars out there, one of those is Scott McKnight that I know some of you have read before, and Scott McKnight talks about what it would have been like for a woman in her day to have announced that she was unmarried but expecting a baby. That what would have happened, and if she was prideful of that, or said, I don't care, that what they would have done is taken her in ancient Palestine out to the center of town or to the city gate and they would have ripped her clothes and then they would have taken her hair that she would have had up and they would have pulled all the, all the, the, the 
things she had holding her hair up out of her hair to make her hair fall down because in those days it was only the women of the evening that wore their hair down and they would have shamed her in every way they could have because she was expecting a child. Now you can imagine, we don't know that that happened to Mary, but you can imagine how, how nervous she would have been about explaining to her family all those things. And so there's this great anticipation, but there's also this fear. And then you remember she goes to her relative's house, to Elizabeth's house, and she gets there and Elizabeth is already expecting a baby, which is miraculous in and of itself. And you remember that whole story between Zachariah and Elizabeth that, that Michael read for us this morning. And you remember that the baby, which will be John the Baptist, leaps in his mother's womb whenever Mary walks in, because not because she's Mary, but because she is carrying Jesus, the Messiah. And so you can imagine that anticipation and the excitement and also fear and anxiety and all that went along with that until finally she has the baby. And you remember they go off to Bethlehem, they have the child, and, <coughs> excuse me, and find the inn or the place where they have the, the baby... And then out there in the field are the shepherds. And the shepherds are just doing whatever shepherds do. I don't know what you do. You just wait around while your sheep are out there, right? And they sit around and wait and maybe feed them or lead them to different grass or whatever they do. But all at once, in the middle of the night, there is this angelic host that is overwhelming. I mean, seeing a falling star is a pretty neat thing to see. But they aren't seeing just like falling stars, and they're not seeing just the northern lights. They are seeing an angelic host singing and saying that the Messiah is born. And you remember what they did. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 16 through 19. It says, So the shepherds hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now that is a powerful passage, isn't it? She keeps all of these little trinkets of knowledge in her heart. Now all at once, she, she knows obviously the angel came. Wow, I'm keeping that in my heart. That is really amazing. I mean, that somebody thought that about my baby, that, that an angel does this. And then... Elizabeth and the baby jumps in her womb and wow, I'm, gonna, I'm putting that in my heart too. That is amazing. And now these, these shepherds out of nowhere come and say, hey, some angels told us that you're here and that you're expecting a baby and that this baby is to, to be honored and worshipped. And wow. And can you imagine as it says as soon as they saw him that they hurried off? I wonder what all Mary and Joseph told them. Well, you know, let me tell you the story. This angel came to Mary, and then this angel came to me. And, and, and Mary says, yeah, and whenever I went to see my cousin Elizabeth, her baby leaps in the womb when I walk in the door. And it's just, you know, it seems like it's way past coincidence that all of these things are happening. And then I hear this voice, and I see this angel, that God was working in all of that. And then finally, little baby Jesus, it is time to take him to the temple when he's just an infant. And in Luke chapter 2, just a few verses away in verses 25 through 33, they run into an old man by the name of Simeon. Now they also ran in, in another part of this, a story, a true story. They also run into a woman named Anna who has a similar experience. But here I want you to see this with this old man named Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He said, Let me die, Lord. I have now done what I came here to do. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's mother and father marveled at what was said about him. Now sometimes people say things about your kids, don't they? And you, you like that when they're like, oh, you have the cutest little baby? Oh, I bet that baby's going to be a quarterback someday. You know, all those things they say. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you remember those things, right? Some of you could tell me all kinds of stories. But here's this old man that had the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit had told him that you, before you die, you are going to see the Messiah. And there he is in the temple, and he has to be wondering, is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? And he sees this baby Jesus, and he doesn't know the backstory. And he sees this baby, and he takes that baby into his arms. And he says, now I can die because I have seen the Messiah. Wow, you put all that together if you're Joseph and Mary and how incredible that is because the angel has come to you and you know what the angel said and the shepherds came to you and you have the Elizabeth story and you have all this and you put it all together. Wow, this is overwhelming and Mary and Joseph must have just must have had quite the conversations. I love this phrase. When I was, when I was a kid and I was baptized, my dad baptized me one Sunday afternoon. And I still remember what he said. He was a preacher. And I still remember what he said Sunday night when he got up to preach. And he was a sick, sick man. And he said, I am now ready to die. All of my children have been baptized into Christ. I will never forget that phrase. And now you have Simeon saying this. I am now ready to die. I have seen the Messiah. Just imagine what that is like for Mary and Joseph as they're there that day. But there are also other days. And we don't know a lot about what happened between the age of 2 to the age of 12. I mean, it's, we don't know. The Bible didn't tell us. No one guess we needed to know all of it. And the book of John says if everything that Jesus had said and done you know, were recorded, there wouldn't be enough room in all the books in the world to get all that in. And so the story kind of jumps a little bit. But you remember when he was 12, he's at the temple, and, and Mary and Joseph go home and realize, hey, we don't have our son which you think that would be easy to do if you have like a minivan, you know, but they're walking, the men walked in one group and the women walked in one group and they don't have their son and they don't know where he is and so they go back and they find him in the temple teaching and they're thinking, what is he doing? What is he doing? Just obviously you probably understand this, but want you to know like all mothers, she didn't always understand her son. If you are a mom or a dad... Or if you are able to think, you do not always understand your kids or another generation or whoever it may be, right? Sometimes we are confused by the choices that people make. I always remember when Annabeth was, was born, she was our oldest daughter. She was born with the longest fingers. We said, wow, that girl, that girl is going to be a piano player. It's, it's, it's obvious with those fingers she'll be able to play. I mean, I imagine that someday they would call her like Beethoven Beth or something. You know, she would be so good. 
And so whenever finally she was old enough, we took her to piano lessons. I knew it was going to be wonderful. I knew she'd be great. And it was like, I hate playing the piano. Just the other day, she brought it up on the phone. I mean, it's been years, and she brings it up again. How she didn't enjoy that. I said, you could have been famous. I could have been rich because you would have helped your dad out. Sometimes our kids make decisions that we don't completely understand. Jesus is the same way with Mary, not always understanding what Jesus was doing. You remember whenever they go to the wedding at Cana in, in John 2, and Scott referred to that today in the Lord's Supper talk. You remember that they're there and they're at this big party and, or as a wedding feast would be, and they run out of wine and Mary comes to Jesus and said, hey, make some more. And you remember Jesus says, but my time hasn't come yet. What he's saying is, I'm not doing public miracles yet because then I'm going to be, have people all around me, right? My time hasn't come yet. And she says, make it. And he goes, okay. And he does it. So she was a little bit confused there. And you remember another time in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is with his disciples and people have decided that Jesus has lost his mind. Matter of fact, they said, go get his family and go get him. I don't know what Mary is thinking at this point. She has all this that she's tucked away in her heart. I understand that. But they go to get Jesus because people are saying he's in there saying crazy things. And you remember Jesus said, the people right here in front of me are my mother, are my brothers and sisters and my mother. And that must have been one of those. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder what he's doing. What's he up to? How do you put all this story together? How does it all come to be? But she didn't always understand what was happening. But I can say this, that she was faithful to God and to her son. She was faithful. She did not leave God. She did not walk away from God. And she did not walk away from her son. There could have been times that it would have been easy to do that because people said some awful things about her son. People questioned her son. She didn't walk away. She could have said to God, why did you put this burden on me? Why didn't you pick some other woman? Why was it you wanted this for me? Because you realized whenever God put this on Mary, this was going to be Mary's life was going to be a lot different than she had planned. She maybe could have just lived with Joseph and they could have had maybe a little plot of land and they could have, he could have you know, been a carpenter and made some tables and chairs for folks and they could have you know, planted their crops and everything been good. Just live a quiet, simple life. But no, God has called her to be the one that will carry Jesus. Her life, she could have said, forget it, God. I don't want any part of this. But she doesn't. She stays faithful to God and to her son. This is the kind of mother that if you had one, that's the kind of mother you wanted to have. And if you didn't have, this is the kind of mother or father you will want to be. One that is faithful to God and faithful to your kids. And you remember that finally through that life of Jesus, and you know it well, we just talked about it just a few weeks ago, but she stood with Jesus, with him, when the world turned away. She's still there. Now, none of us that I know of have been through what Mary had to go through. And I pray that none of us ever have to. But to see your son pass is a hard thing, but to see your son executed by the government falsely just has to be the hardest thing in the world. These days we talk about killing people humanely, which is kind of an 
oxymoron. But what the Romans were about was trying to kill you inhumanely. And so she was there at the, at the cross. She was there, as the Bible tells us in, um, in John chapter 19, verse 25, near the cross of Jesus, stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There were a lot of Marys there, weren't there? She did not abandon her son. While those government officials were saying awful, terrible things about her son, she's there. While her son is writhing in pain, she's there. She does not abandon her son. She does not abandon her heavenly father as well. She is there through all of it, no matter how much. It obviously must have hurt. Mary's life was difficult, but she kept the faith. While she could have maybe turned around and said, I don't want anything to do with this, she did not. She kept the faith no matter what happened. Once again, whether you're male or female, this is a thing for all of us. Keep the faith. Do not give up, even when we don't understand, even when it has to be just as confusing as can be. I mean, here you are having angels come to you and tell you about what your son's going to be, and now you see your son being killed on the cross. It has to be a little bit confusing. But she does not give in and does not give up. You know that after three days that Jesus came up out of the grave, that God raised him up out of the grave, and that Jesus went to the, to the disciples and told the disciples, and they saw him. And we don't, we don't know about that encounter with Mary that he had, but obviously he, he did. He obviously saw his mother from other things, it appears. Because when we get to the book of Acts, Acts tells us the story of what it was like for Jesus. And then Jesus went, he spent 40 days with his disciples after he was resurrected, then went back up into heaven. And then the disciples are waiting for something incredible to happen in Jerusalem. And in Acts 2, the church starts, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and Peter preaches. The church starts with 3,000 people being baptized. But I want you to see who is there. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says they all joined together being the disciples constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She did not run. She stayed faithful. She did not give up. There she is. They're part of that group on that day when the church starts, 3,000 people being baptized, Mary is there. How incredible is that? That is, that is what we know about what happened at the birth is incredible and great, and I'm glad we talk about that part, and we need to. But when you look at her whole life and a whole life of faithfulness, that is the kind of man or woman that all of us should want to be, the kind of Christian we want to be, people who are faithful from the beginning to the end even though we may not understand every little thing that happens in between. I read a quote, there's a quote you're going to see by Elizabeth Hahn on your screen that says, Mothering is the gospel lived out as you hold your child's heart in beauty, in prayer, and patience. It's not the big decisions, but the little ones. Trusting God through it all. Trusting God. God, through it 
all. Well, there are some times that we don't know. There's some times that all of us struggle. Times that all of us want to give up, whether we're a dad or a mom or don't have kids, brother, sister, parent, whatever, kid, whatever. But we keep trusting God. Even when we can't see what's on the other side, we keep going forward. Mary is an example for all of us. For all of us. What it means to be faithful and devout and to be a child of God. So my question for us today is, will I be faithful? Will I be faithful to God? Now, I may have messed up and not been faithful from beginning, but I can be faithful until end. I can start right now and be faithful till end. Even if I wasn't faithful back here, I can still be faithful from this point on to God and to my family. This past week, some of you know, if you've paid attention to the news or you live out in Katy where we live, you may know that there was a woman that was lost for a few days. She was only 63 and had, has dementia and went on a walk with her dog and was lost. And, and there were folks that thought they saw her in our, in our neighborhood. And there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people searching for her. Neighbors were out, there were official groups out, the police were out, but then just neighbors. Everybody was looking in their backyard, everybody was, was, was looking wherever they could to see if they could find this woman. People prayed, there were prayer groups looking for her. And just the other night, she was found out in George Bush Park, about 100 yards off the trail. Her dog was barking and found her at 3 o'clock in the morning, and all day long what I heard from neighbors was, did you hear the woman was found? Did you hear the woman was found? And I said, what an incredible Mother's Day this is going to make, that they have found their mother. Today what I'm wondering is, do you need to find the Father, the Heavenly Father, but this is what I want you to know. The Heavenly Father did not wander away. He is exactly where he always was and is. It's us that wander away. And he says, come home. Come home. I'm waiting. You can tell me your story, but I'm just going to hug you to death. It's what... He did in the story of the prodigal son. I just want you to come home. And so today, maybe you're to that point to come home. You always remember it as Mother's Day, right? Come home. Maybe you need to be baptized into Jesus and He'll forgive your sins. He'll make it all just go away. He'll, he'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He'll say you got a place in His house, give you a make you part of the kingdom others of us we may just need prayer to start the road home you can come forward and we'll pray for you you can write to us at elders at mcoc.org and our elders or if you want all of us to pray we'll all pray and help you on the road home to come home to the father come this morning as we stand and sing.